Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a lifestyle of consistently seeking right relationship and right living with Jesus Christ our Lord? Do you make Jesus an active part of your day-to-day lifestyle? Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 6 and look at this incredible principle of seeking first the kingdom of God in all that we do. afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is Friday, April 17th. And is that right? Is today the 17th? Actually, I guess today is the 16th. So uh, we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 6 today. Um, we're going to discuss the, the, the amazing verses to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. We're going to finish up the last verse on uh, the section before that on do not worry. And this will bring us to the end of the chapter. You remember we talked about uh, the teaching on treasures in heaven that, excuse me, then we did the, the eye is the lamp of the body teaching. Um, And then last time we talked about uh, do not worry. And now we're just going to finish up the rest of these verses from, uh, from verse 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Um, so um, we're going to start in verse 30 and we will continue on until verse 34. Um, again, we're going to finish up the last verse on worry and um, and how it, you know, um, how it really is just completely, you know, not only unproductive, but it's really counterproductive. Um, and it's really contrary to faith. Right. You cannot really be in worry and in faith at the same time. Does that make sense? They they really cannot coexist. Right. Um, You know, when we have when we're trusting God, when we're trusting our heavenly father with the details of our lives, um, then we're not worried about it. We know that that he loves us. We know that nothing can come to us except through him. If you're in Jesus Christ today, God, the father is your heavenly father. He's your daddy. It's kind of a cool thing, right? The God of the universe, the triune God, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Um, you're in relationship with them. God, the father is your heavenly father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior and master and King. Um, the Holy spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter, and they're all God. And if you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, relying on him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. If you're a genuine Christian, um, then, then really you and I have nothing to worry about because in that position, literally nothing can happen to us. Jesus Christ lives in us by his spirit. Uh, everywhere we go, he's with us. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is one with us. And everywhere we go, all the days of our lives, Jesus is with us. Therefore, nothing can ever, ever, ever happen to us or begin to happen to us unless our heavenly father approves it. There are no accidents, right? There is no coincidence. If something comes into our lives, 
Um, as I've said this before, um, it, you know, it comes by at least the passive approval of our heavenly father, um, uh, meaning certainly he, he may not have caused it and negative things. He probably did not cause them, but the fact is he was aware that it was going to happen and he still allowed it to come into our lives. And so by the very fact that he allowed it to come into our lives, whatever the circumstances, good or bad, um, we could see it has at least his passive approval, meaning he could have prevented it. He could have prevented bad things from coming into your life and he can prevent good things from coming into your life. He is all powerful, right? He's omnipotent. He can do anything. Um, he's all knowing he's omniscient, right? He knows everything. That means he doesn't learn anything, right? The triune God, father, son, Holy spirit, they're omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. They're everywhere all the time. So, um, so that just makes worry, you know, futile. It has no purpose. And yet we had talked about last time, and I had certainly confessed that it is, uh, unfortunately it's a substantial part still of, of often my daily life and certainly the daily lives of almost all Christians. So, um, we're going to finish that up. And again, the, uh, we're going to talk about the solution to how not to worry and certain, uh, the solution is certainly to, to seek the will of Jesus in every circumstance and in every aspect of your life. And by doing that, the more that you, you focus your time and your energy on the word of God, the son of God and the kingdom of God, uh, the less that you and I will by course worry. Um, what I'm saying is you don't stop worrying by just trying not to worry, just trying to will yourself not to worry or not have concern or not have fear. You do it by placing your energy and focus on Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his word and his will, um, in every aspect of your life. And the more you do that, the less and less worry uh, will be a part of your life and of my life. So we're going to go ahead and pray. Um, we'll invite Jesus into our time and uh, we'll get rolling. Matthew 6, verses 30 to 34. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. We thank you for the living word of God. As always, Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master and King, the Son of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're alive and risen. We thank you that you came and walked the earth and gave us these words, Lord, in the famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Lord. We thank you for these words in our Bible, these words in red, Lord Jesus, um, that are from you. And um, Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. For those following along, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 to 34. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just incredible scriptures I would recommend um, to everyone. Just, uh, you know, I would study these particular chapters. This is the most famous sermon given by Jesus, the longest sermon as well. Um, it's his teaching in Matthew chapter chapters 5, 6, and 7. It encompasses the entirety of the three chapters. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount because it says Jesus went up on a mountaintop and called his disciples to him is how it started. And he gives this incredible teaching. And just as a, uh, you know, just as a discipline, y'all, just, just, just read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you can do it once a day, you know, say for a month, read those three chapters. Um, a lot of the guys and, uh, and gals in kingdom discipleship, you know, um, I don't know about a lot, but some of them have, have actually done this. I know Stephen has, and, um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, there's, this is, it's an extremely good use of your time. Obviously any time in the word of God is good for us, right, Scott, but just to, to read your Bible, Matthew, and just read those three chapters, Matthew chapter five, chapter six and chapter seven, just to slowly read them and meditate on the truth that's found in them. So, all right, verse 30. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so uh, Jesus is speaking about, he just mentioned Solomon in, uh, in, the, in the previous verse. Uh, he was talking about in verse 28, how God clothes the lilies of the field and how amazingly beautiful they are, but yet they don't worry or labor or have to do anything. Um, Jesus said they don't labor and spin in verse 28. Um, and he says, not even Solomon, you know, and again, we talked about how Solomon is by far the richest individual to have ever walked the earth by far, um, and Jesus said in uh, verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed with the beauty of a lily, meaning all that Solomon could do, right? And all his incredible garments. And today, obviously, we, we, we have the ability to get the nicest, most beautiful, most uh, eloquent clothes. I mean, I'm not a clothes man myself, um, as many of you can see. But there are people who just, who love nice, nice clothes, right, Jason? And, uh, and wearing nice clothes and, and, and looking sharp. Solomon had the nicest wardrobes. There's no words for it, right? Um, you know, it would be millions and millions and millions of dollars in clothes, right? Um, but as, as nice as he could get himself, it was nowhere near as elegant and as beautiful as a lily. And Jesus makes the point that, that your heavenly father, that God, the father, you know, clothes these beautiful flowers and makes them so beautiful, right? Susan, so gorgeous, so elegant, so perfect in every way. And yet they're gone in a week or two weeks or however long they're there, right? 
And, and yet, no matter what we do, and we're permanent beings, as Jesus says, we're much more valuable uh, than birds or flowers to our heavenly father. And yet, if he, if he takes care of the birds of the air, as we said last time, and if this is how he takes care of flowers in the field that are just, again, stunningly beautiful, and they don't do anything, and yet they're clothed in such beauty and splendor, right? So Jesus said, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these lilies. If that's the case, verse 30 now, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. It's gone. It's burned. They dry up. The sun just scorches the flowers and destroys them, right? If our heavenly father takes care of, of a flower this way, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so Jesus wants us to take an, uh, an example from nature about about how incredibly our Heavenly Father takes care of everything in the world, even down to, even down to the flowers, the, the wild flowers that grow. That he's the one that designed these flowers, and he's the one that cares for them. He makes sure they have rain. He makes sure they grow. And you and I are infinitely more valuable than a flower, which is, which is gone in just a few days. When we look at that, he said that that really ought to, you know, encourage our faith and build up our faith. Right. But he says, um, you know, when you look at how our heavenly father just takes care of everything, is he not going to make sure to take care of you with your needs? And then he uses this phrase, oh, you of little faith. We were talking about this in, uh, in Bible study yesterday. You remember when the disciples, it's kind of interesting because Jesus says to them here, Oh, you of little faith. And, you know, he consistently uses this phrase, Oh, you of little faith, or you of little faith. Finally, the disciples say, Lord Jesus, increase our faith. They ask him to increase our faith. And when they ask him that, naturally, Jesus doesn't say, Sure. He responds by saying, You know, if you have faith the size of a tiny mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here into the sea and it'll be done for you. So, you know, after saying you have little faith, they ask for an increase in faith. And then he goes on to tell them the problem is not with how much faith you have. The problem is not with the, the uh, quantity of your faith. It's with the quality of your faith, right? Um, the issue with our faith, if you're a Christian today, it's not that you and I need more faith. We need we need a refined faith, right, Chloe? We need, our faith needs to be purified, right? Our faith has impurities in it that need to be purified. And the more refined our faith in Jesus Christ is, the more purified our faith is, um, the, the less worry we'll have, the greater desire for Jesus we'll have, the more power we'll walk in in every aspect of our lives, Melody, right? The more power we'll walk in spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, um, the more pure and refined our faith is. Um, so how do you do that? You know, how do you refine your faith, right? Um, he says in verse 31, so do not worry 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? So um, you refine your faith by determining to trust in Jesus, right? And again, he's going to give us the solution in verse 33, right? Of how we're going to do that. How do you refine your faith? Because we already had talked about that the more we, you know, the more we just try not to worry, not to worry, not to worry, not to worry, you know, that's not the way not to worry. Um, the way that we're going to, to grow and mature from having anxiety and worry and fear and concern about, about almost everything we talked about. And it's going to, he's going to tell us in verse 33 to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And we're going to open that up here in a minute. But he says, um, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. People who don't even believe in God or people who have false gods or people who aren't Christians at all, right? They run after all these things. Their concern is worldly things, running after and making sure they have enough worldly food, enough worldly money. Um, as we had talked about, uh, the nicest worldly possessions, houses, cars, big bank accounts, all these things, right? Um, he said, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Again, a pagan is either someone who has really no care for God at all or particularly uh, is a false God. Okay. So in our lives, biblically, just to divine what a pagan is, a pagan is anyone that's not a Christian. Okay. Um, if, and I don't understand that's a hard thing to say. Okay. Um, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. That's simply what the scriptures teach. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Jesus says with me, all things are possible without me. You can do nothing. We said a few weeks back in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So Jesus Christ is the central figure in all human history, right? And it's only in Jesus Christ that we can in any way come into relationship with our heavenly father, with God, the father. So any other religion, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's a, a Buddhism, whether it's uh, Hinduism, uh, whether it's um, Islam, um, uh, whether it's again, agnosticism, atheism, um, you know, those are all religions too. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. It really does. Okay. Um, I mean, it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian, right? Just imagine when you look at a, a satellite picture of the earth and Everyone listening to my voice probably hasn't been where that picture was taken, right? You haven't been to outer space. So by faith, you do believe that that big round ball in space that we see is the earth. We believe that's where we are by faith, right? Even though we've never been there, you know, we do believe that by faith. Now, when you look at that picture of the earth, 
that again, when uh, a picture of the earth from space that we've all seen of the round earth and, you know, we see all the, the, the land masses in it, just, you know, the picture of the earth from space, right? When you look at that, okay, an atheist has to look at that and scratch his head and he thinks maybe it just happened by. You look at that and you think somehow just it just appeared there, just like that, Scott. Just boom. I mean, somehow that perfect planet, that that massive, you know, big, like the Earth is a big deal, right? And in the in the billions of things that go into it to support life in every way, when an atheist looks at that and believes somehow that happened all on its own. It just appeared right there somehow, right? Out of nothing. It's ridiculous, right? It's categorically ridiculous, okay? When you look at a satellite picture of the earth, let alone the sun, right? Which there's not a thing that could survive in the earth if not for that other that other big burning star we call the sun, right, Junior? Um, and conveniently, that sun just stopped just in the right place, right? Few few miles further away, we freeze. Few miles closer, we burn. It's amazing. See, an atheist believes all this just somehow happened all on its own. Again, it takes infinitely more faith. It's an absurdity. The Bible in in uh, in, uh, in the Psalms says the fool says in his heart that there is no God. I think it's Psalm forty six, but uh, um, Stephen, I'll get you the the scripture on the bottom of the screen there. The fool says in his heart there is no God. It, you know, um, it's. It's, it's a remarkable thing. So it takes more faith, again, to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian, okay? The Bible is clear that, that God, you know, created the universe. Now, in the book of Colossians in the New Testament, in chapter 1, starting in verse 15, it says that Jesus created all things. And again... Um, Stephen will put that scripture down there. I believe it's Colossians 1.15 says by him, Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. So it's only in Jesus Christ that we have any meaning in life, that there's any truth, that, that we can have any relationship with God the Father. And most importantly, it's only in Jesus Christ that our sins can be forgiven. As human beings, we are all sinful. And every one of us that's, that's rational knows that, that, that we're sinful, that we've done wrong, and that we need a Savior, and that we cannot save ourselves. Hence why the scriptures tell us that Jesus came into the world of his own will and volition, lived a perfect life for you and me, died a perfect death for you and me, and is alive and risen. And if you'll call on Jesus and ask him to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, 
and you mean that, then he will. He'll come and live in your heart. All of your sin, past, present, and future will get credited to Jesus at the cross. His perfect, righteous life will be credited to you. And you'll become a child of your heavenly father. You'll become a child of God. God the Father will become your heavenly father. Jesus Christ will be your Lord and Savior, your master, your king. And the Holy Spirit will be your guide, your comforter, your counselor. It's incredible. Um, so th that's what a pagan is. Okay. A pagan again, in its purest form is someone who's not a Christian. Okay. And, and Jesus said that for verse 32, these are Jesus' words for the pagans run after all these things. Okay. Those who are in all the other religions and those who have no religion at all, those who do not know the one true God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, they're consumed with all the things of the world and the ways of the world. And if we're to be frank, as Christians, oftentimes, or even most of the time, right, Lauren, we're, we're not much better. You know, oftentimes I myself am, am, am little different. And that's why Jesus says this. As Christians, as, as those who have the truth of the scriptures, it's, uh, it's our job to, to obey the word of God to be growing in relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, and to obey the word of God and to act in ways that are, that are consistent with the word of God and the kingdom of God and the son of God, as opposed to worldly ways or pagan ways that have no God at all. We're supposed to be different in the way we act and speak and love one another and forgive one another in all the ways we treat one another. And we're supposed to be different in the fact that we don't worry and concern ourselves uh, with all these things and chase after all the things of the world. Um, and, and then worry about just not having enough in everything. Jesus said in verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. And then he says this, listen, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your, your heavenly father, again, if you're in Jesus Christ today, your heavenly father knows all of your needs. You see that? There's Jesus speaking of his omniscience, right? He is all knowing. He knows what you and I need, right? He's God. He knows what we need. He knows what we want. He knows what's best. He knows what's not best. And if you're, if you're working to walk with Christ today, undoubtedly, there's a lot of things in your life that are, that are not as exactly as you would have them. And that's because he knows what you need. He knows that you need food and clothing, right? But he knows the, the, the more you want to grow to know him and grow in relationship with Jesus Christ, um, the more he will fulfill all of your needs. Now, oftentimes he fulfills our needs by giving us things, but, but oftentimes, even more often than not, he'll fulfill our needs, right, Bobby, by, by not allowing us to have certain things, right? Um, generally, we grow more, Esther, right, when, uh, when we don't have things than when we do, right? The more things we have, the more material possessions we have, seemingly the, the more ease of life we have, we regrettably don't grow to know Jesus Christ anywhere near as well in those times of uh, ease as we do when we have certain aspects of discomfort. 
And the scriptures make this plain, right? That's why James in James 1, and you'll see the scripture coming across the screen, um, you know, says to consider it pure joy. It's, it's kind of a crazy thing. We've talked about it. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials or difficulties of many kinds. He says, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance um, leads to maturity. Um, and that's, that's the desire of our heavenly father is that certainly he's our daddy and we can run in his lap like our children, you know, used to do, but ultimately we can keep doing that, but he wants us to grow up as well. Like my brother Tom talks about, he wants us to grow up so we can be grown children and really have a, a mature relationship with him, you know, as well. So, um, verse 32 is a, is, is a strong verse that, that, that Christians are called to be different. Now, we're not going to be perfect. Even as Christians, we make mistakes. People in the church make mistakes all the time. And, you know, that's one of the, one of the great uh, accusations of the world is how bad Christians are. And, and it's true in many ways. But that's not an excuse. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you're not going to stand. You're not going to be able to stand before the judgment of God one day and point to how bad the church is or point to how bad Christians were. That's not going to work ever. Okay. Uh, no matter how bad any particular church is or any particular Christian is or group of Christians is that has nothing to do with you. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And regardless of what anyone else has done and no doubt there's a lot of hypocrisy in, in the church, but that has nothing to do with you and I. Again, when we stand before Jesus, we're not going to be able to tell him what was wrong with everybody. And that's why we didn't do what we were supposed to do. So again, if you don't know Jesus today, I urge you, it's a command of the Bible to give your life to Jesus Christ, to receive him as your, as your personal savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And if, if you've already done that and you are a, a genuine Christian today, then you want to, you and I want to begin to live for Jesus more intentionally, regardless of what everybody else is doing or not. Okay. Because again, um, we're not going to be able to stand before Jesus, stand before our heavenly father and give any excuse as to why we did or didn't do things based on what other people did. Right. Because it's Jesus who loved you. It's Jesus who gave his life for you. No one else gave their life for you. Your mother didn't give her life for you. She may have gave you life, but she didn't lay down her life for you at the cross of Christ. Nor did your pastor. Certainly I didn't, right? Nor did your husband, nor did your children. Only Jesus Christ gave his life for you, Peyton. Only Jesus Christ, Benny, gave his life for you. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, this is how you're going to, and I'm going to stop worrying. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay. So the, the way you're going to stop worrying, okay. And the way that you're going to, to move in the blessings of your heavenly father, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in every aspect of your daily life. You and I ought to be increasingly seeking 
right relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in right living, right? But seek first his kingdom. So the way to stop worrying is to take your mind and seeking all the different aspects of the world, right? All the different, our minds are just consumed as we've already talked about in the previous teachings with the things of the world, the treasures of the world, nicer homes, nicer cars, etc. We talked about it over and over, more money. Um, but seek first his kingdom, okay? So you want to consistently throughout your day, have your mind and your focus on the kingdom of God and on the word of God, the Bible. Okay. The Bible is the living word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. We'll have a new heaven and a new earth, but my word will never pass away. Think about that. We'll have a remodeled heaven and a remodeled earth, right? There'll be brand new. There'll be no, there'll be no corruption. There'll be no sin. There'll be no anything, right? All remnants of sin will be taken from it, right? Um, but the word of God will never change. Think about that. Your Bible is eternal, right? So how do you do that? How do you seek first his kingdom? Well, by seeking him. And, and, the, and the primary way you seek Jesus is in his word. Spending time in your Bible. Spending time reading, studying, meditating, and obeying the word of God. That's... In doing these things, Jess, in doing these things, Tara, um, this is how you and I are going to, to have a lifestyle of, of not worrying, of not being fearful. Because as we do these things, we grow in relationship with Jesus and we learn to trust him, Kristen, not just for, not just for the next life, not just for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, Nathan, but, uh, but for our daily needs as well. Right. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or, or always being concerned about having more money and uh, nicer cars and just a, an easier life. Right. A more comfortable life. But seek first his kingdom. Seek the kingdom of Jesus Christ in everything and all the different decisions of your life. You want to invite Jesus into it. Okay. Whatever you have going on in your life. Okay. Now I'm not saying you, you need to pray and ask Jesus, what do I need to have for lunch? But really anything of significance in your life, right? Let's say you're going on vacation, right? You want to invite Jesus into it and say, Hey Lord, I, you know, I'm, I have a heart and, uh, I feel like I want to take my family to, you know, Florida, wherever. Right. And, uh, you know, Lord Jesus, I just, uh, you know, I ask you to be a part of it, Lord. I ask you to lead us, Holy Spirit, on our trip, Lord. I just ask you to guide us. I ask you to be with us. I ask you to help us to experience your presence. Anything Jesus is involved in in your life, literally anything is going to be better, right? If Jesus is invited to anything you're doing and you make him a part of it, you're going to be better off and it's going to be infinitely more blessed, obviously, right? Um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything you want to, you want to do what's right. Seek his righteousness. Again, beginning with right relationship with him, knowing him as your Lord and savior, as we've mentioned several times. Um, and then right living with him, right thinking, right? Thinking rightly about, you know, 
about the world, thinking rightly about worry, which is it's of no value at all. Just thinking about what's right, right? Um, um, I've created a definition for righteous. Maybe someone said it before me, but, um, you know, someone who has a lifestyle of doing with what's right or is righteous. Um, and this is someone who's received Jesus Christ and received the righteousness of Jesus Christ at, you know, into themselves. That's called imputed righteousness, which is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, the literal righteous life of Jesus Christ is credited or imputed to you. And all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus. That happens when you receive him. That's called imputed righteousness. But once you've received the righteousness or the imputed righteousness of Christ, you want to have a lifestyle of having what's called lifestyle righteousness. And lifestyle righteousness is in everything you do, you're wanting to take the time before you do it to think about what's right. Right, Lauren? So you can do what's right simply because it's right. That's what someone who has a lifestyle of righteousness is. Someone with a righteous lifestyle and all that they do, they're not perfect, but they're consistently trying to think about what's right so they can do what's right simply because it's right for no other reason. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And look what he says. And all these things will be given to you as well. Everything else will take care of itself. You won't have to worry about anything. You won't have to be concerned about anything. All the material things will follow. Okay. The more you and I will seek first the kingdom of God, the word of God, the son of God, the heart of God, the will of God, the ways of God in and through Jesus Christ, the more we will do that, the more we'll think about what's right. So we can do what's right simply because it's right. Everything else will handle itself. You'll have no need to worry about anything. And you'll find that worry will less and less be a part of who you are. Well, doesn't that sound amazing? So again, you don't, you don't just, you don't just go out there and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. It's almost impossible. Right, Patricia? Um, but you stop worrying by focusing on Jesus and living for Jesus and loving for Jesus and giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. Right, Kayla? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 34. This is an interesting verse. It's the last verse of the chapter. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Almost all our worry is about things we, we can't control, right? We worry so much about things we really do that are completely and totally out of our control, right? Um, and, you know, if you took away the worry in your life and I took away the worry in my life that had nothing to do with anything that was happening today, we'd probably eliminate 90% of it. We really would, right? If you only concerned yourself, right? And focused on what's going on in this day and didn't concern yourself at all about tomorrow or forward, you and I would eliminate again, probably 90% of the worry or more from our lives, right? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus is calling us here to live in the present. And that's hard, isn't it? My wife, my wife may is consistently right. Asking me to be present. I'm not necessarily thinking about tomorrow, but I always have, you know, a dozen different things on my mind. 
And my wife is consistently saying, John, would you, would you be present? And that, and, and she's right, right? We need to live in the present. We need to live this day, thinking about this day in this day. Okay. It's one thing to reflect on the past. It's one thing to hope for the future, but we're to call to, we're called to live for today. Okay. Obviously we, we look back at our past and we do repent over things we've done wrong. We can rejoice in some things that went well, right? We can have good memories and fond memories, right? Um, and we can have hope for the future, but the call of God in our lives is to live today in today, not worried about tomorrow, not thinking about tomorrow, but living for Jesus and his kingdom in a right way with him, living in right relationship with him today and living a right lifestyle with him today. And again, fall, uh, repenting where we fall short. So it's an exciting, it's just an exciting group of verses, right? So, so, you know, when we leave now today, let's go ahead and, and again, begin to truly, it'd be good to memorize this verse, Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Basically, as you seek first Jesus, the kingdom of God, the word of God, the heart of God, the ways of God in Jesus Christ, right? Everything else in your life will fall into place. I mean, it's, it is a marvelous principle, right? You don't have to worry about a million different things. Again, you don't even worry about tomorrow. You have, you have your concerns for today, your focus for today. I need to go to work. I have these responsibilities with my family, my children, my work. I have these responsibilities of where I'm trying to serve Jesus in his kingdom. You want to live in today, be present for today, focusing on the kingdom of God and the word of God, right relationship with Jesus, right living for Jesus, and everything else in your life and my life will take care of itself. So let's begin to truly do that today to walk out that principle today. And, uh, and God has given his word that if you'll do that, he'll handle everything else in your life and in my life. So father, we do love you. We bless you. We thank you and praise you again. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the living word of God, Lord Jesus. Again, we thank you that you became a man and gave us these words that we now have for all of our lives, we thank you that we have the Bible, the living word of God, and these words from you, Lord Jesus, our God, our King, our Master, and our Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us now as we go forward to, to truly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Lord, that, uh, that everything else in our lives will just follow behind that. Holy Spirit, help us to focus on our Bible, the word of God. Help us to give time to prayer and worship and thanksgiving and praise um, and repentance. You know, Holy Spirit, we just, uh, we ask you to help us to, to just, to put more Jesus in our minds, to think about Jesus more. And we ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, and to forgive us where we just consistently worry about, about so many different things that we absolutely have no control over. Father, we give you our lives. We love you. We bless you. And we thank you now in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.